0: For so very long, it's been... Go on, George.
1: Tell how it's gonna be.
0: But in the end, the commish only said...
2: We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it...
0: But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else.
2: Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When black... Comes.
1: This is the end It's the end of the world It's the end of the world As we
0: know it Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up, mm-hmm. looks okay, the world survives into another day See now, the rain And the way forward goes through
3: as it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker.
0: A number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over, I still
1: can't
3: find it. Ah, can't find it? We can
0: help. This is 1240. 1240. It's always been
3: 1240. My client says it's 1240.
0: Yeah. Plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's The Joe Beaver Show. Yes, it is. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's uh, It's time to get going. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to do today on the program, although we only have two guests, and they're not really guests. Ron Callen and Mike Parker will join us. I'm John Warren. Joined from uh, across the way, sitting in Mike's chair, is TJ Mathewson. On this uh, Friday, we've got the weekend coming up. We've got a lot of Oregon State activities going on. Wrestling gets underway tonight. Gymnastics gets started this weekend. Men's and women's basketball, both on the road, and uh, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything else. I've been
2: practicing my PA voice. Not oh, really. Oh yeah, that's right. Not really. TJ is. Uh, I did, got that. Tonight. I did check out. Uh, i <sighs> I forget the name. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. I do forget the name, but I did check him out yesterday.
0: Oh, uh, I did find Zinkoff. it.
2: Zikoff, yeah, I did find a video of him. I'm not quite sure I can replicate that. I don't know if that. Uh, like that's within my vocal tenor. I, is that the right way to, to say that in my vocal tenor? Is that? Uh, no. Uh, it's just
0: not in your, your deal. My, my, it's my your pitch.
2: Deal. It's not me.
0: Why do I sound so quiet? Something's always wrong with this stinking microphone every time I come on here. And I don't know which dial it is I'm, I'm supposed to do up here. There we go. Nope. Unbelievable. Anyway,
2: good luck tonight. Yeah, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting. I'm lo- again, I'm very much looking forward to it. I feel like for st- for some reason we did talk about this a little bit yesterday, but I feel like it should be more like nervous. And maybe I'll be nervous once I like get there and sit behind the microphone. And Nick Dash reported this morning there's supposed to be eight thousand people there tonight.
0: Yeah, they'll get a good they could, they could-, they could At least. come close to a sellout. Well yeah.
2: Coach Pendleton when he was on with us on Wednesday said he was aiming for nine thousand. We'll right. see what the official numbers actually add. If there's any stragglers that want to come in and get tickets. You still probably can get tickets oh, if you really want to walk up crowd. Yeah. yeah. So please go. It is. This is a, a, a duel tonight that they've been looking forward to for years. They'll have the right single
0: here. raised mat mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be each, each match will be the only one going on and the highlight mm-hmm. of, of, everything that's happening and every takedown Oh, the crowd goes nuts. Wrestling at Oregon state is top notch. It is fantastic. Um, <sighs>
2: but I'm looking forward to it. It is uh it's going to be exciting. I think it's a very exciting way to spend a Friday night with with both basketball teams on the road. It is they're they're going to get some love tonight. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And and really it's going it's going to be tough to win. Penn State is uh it's, it's pretty damn good. Well, it doesn't got, matter where they wrestle. They've
0: got four wrestlers in the top 5. The they've got national champions. They're very good. But, hey, it's always fun to go up against the yeah. best. You, it, it's, it's not very often that a number one team in the country in whatever sport it is comes to your place. Mm-hmm. So really cool. And you know, last year it was a big deal to have Oklahoma State, and everybody had a lot of fun. So... It'll be, uh, it'll be replicated. I, I understand that there are some a lot of uh, teams that are coming, high school teams from mm-hmm. around the state. Nice. Doug Blair was telling me this morning about a friend of his who is a fraternity brother, and he's down in the Medford area, and he bought a bunch of tickets so that the high school kids from, I think, Crater could come up and watch. And and I understand there's a lot of high school teams that will be here tonight as well.
2: That's awesome. It's almost, it, it, it is what Chris Pendleton said that he wants. He wants the region of the Northwest, the wrestling culture of the Northwest focused here. Yeah, He wants everyone who wants to be a collegiate wrestler in the Pacific Northwest looking here and yeah. wanting to wrestle here and to build that program up, which he believes can be a, a, an elite program in yeah. this country. And he's he's well on his way right now.
0: Very, very cool. All right, let's talk about the game last night. By the way, Ron Callen will join us at 1130, and we'll talk uh, Oregon State women's hoops as they take on USC tonight. And then uh, Mike Parker at about 12:25, eh, possibly later, later than that. We have just—it's a fluid deal on when they're leaving to go from uh, Pullman to Spokane over to Seattle for tomorrow's game, which is at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I guess Washington 0 and 3 now in conference, and Oregon beats them on a last-second shot. 12 seconds left. There were a lot of timeouts and things going. I watched the mm-hmm. end of that ball game before the beginning of the beaver game and when you know when the beaver game came on i was just, i was so um i was so positive and thinking well hey you know maybe there's a win on the road here because they matched up well it was ugly basketball by washington state's part i mean they looked terrible mm-hmm. in the first 10 minutes of that ball game and the beavers got up they didn't take advantage as much as i thought they should have no. and could have to build a bigger lead but the biggest lead they could do was 10 points 16 to 6 yeah. and then they kind of chipped away a little bit at it and and a, a 3 point halftime lead but as soon as they took the lead in the second half with
2: 16 minutes to go i thought uh oh and when the shooting cools off too yeah. it it was not it, it's hard to replicate what they did on, on saturday and that's a, as good of a game you'll have last weekend against usc in year so heading on the road it, it was expected there to be a little bit of a drop off but uh, unfortunately a little bit too stark of a drop off and it, it really hurt. We heard from Wayne Tinkle earlier this week when when we spoke to him on uh, I think Tuesday. He, he he kept harping on you know how a how good Tyler Bildo was last week and b how crucial he's gonna he would be into into beating Washington State and Tyler Bildo plays 17 minutes because he's in foul trouble. I mean in the second half he he checks in at the start of the second half third foul subbed out yeah. 10 minutes left sub back in immediately picks up his fourth foul subbed out that's that's for for someone you label as an x factor in this game it's just really tough to have and it, have, him having a minimal impact on this game is 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 pretty crushing and overall the beavers just didn't didn't shoot well enough they didn't
0: well in the first half actually late first half and then for most of the game rest of the game i should say they really made oscar Clough look like an all-star I don't know that this kid is as good as he, he made, was made to look last night. Eight of 11 from the floor, low post moves left and right, back to the basket, awkward shots, but good shots mm-hmm. that went in. Lots of bank shots from down low, and he was just tearing up the post players. And uh, I don't know, he just kind of came out of nowhere. 29 minutes, eight of 11 from the, fl- the field, 20 points to lead. Four players in double figures mm-hmm. for Washington State. And... Uh, I think the the beavers set them up a lot. Jordan Pope get got his twenty, Beckway with twelve. But like you said, you know, when Billadeau is in foul trouble, which he has been here, he can't really get into a groove, which he was able to do last Saturday against USC. But foul trouble has plagued him most of the year.
2: It has, and the and especially when when you look at the defense in the second half, the 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 forty four points, or that's 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 tough to overcome. Thankfully for the Beavers though, again if they salvage a split from this Pac-12 road slate, I, I think you you chalk that up as good. You'll you'll take in the league going on the road, getting one or two. And Washington's beatable. So, it, you go on the road this weekend, a Saturday afternoon game. Uh, I think that's there for the Beavers. They just got to got to keep the bigs out of foul trouble, Bildo out of foul trouble and 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 really just operate better offensively. Again, they passed the ball so well on Saturday against USC, and, uh, and last night they did not. Just just five assists as a team.
0: Yeah, let's see. What did they get in turnovers? They had 12 turnovers, points off of turnovers, though. Oregon, uh, Washington State did not. Actually, I take that back. They had uh, The Beers only had seven turnovers. Okay, that's pretty good because they've had several games of 20 turnovers, and Washington State only had four points off of turnovers. That's been a category that's plagued the Beavers a lot this year in men's basketball. Shooting percentage, 31% in the first half, 41 almost, yeah, 41% in the second half. It has to get better, and it did. Mm -hmm. But look at the free-throw disparity. Washington State, 27 shots from the free-throw line to 11 for Oregon State. Mm -hmm. 22 of 27, uh, 10 of 11 for the Beavers. They outscore Oregon State by 12 points on the line alone, Mm -hmm. win by 7, Different ball game, and they were without Dexter O'Connell, which apparently was a late scratch. Didn't know that he wasn't going to be able to go until late, and he had 18 points last Saturday. So you mm-hmm. really missed that.
2: Yeah, you do really miss that. I, 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 again, there still is the opportunity to salvage this, and, and Washington State uh, they, they did play really well last night. So well, we'll talk them, to Mike. Uh, next, give them, yeah,
0: next hour and, and see what it was like. I saw him on camera a lot. And uh, Ben Creighton, it mm-hmm. was fun to watch him after we had him on the program. Uh, so that was kind of fun. But man, nobody at that game. No um, place was empty. Beautiful stadium. They have a really nice arena. Beasley, yeah, I've been, in Be- I,
2: I've been in Beasley a few times, to- or uh, twice, I think.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I broadcast from there many times, and it's a nice facility. They had the tarps off of the upper level, which every time I go up there, they have them on because they don't expect uh, you know, a big enough crowd to even spill into the upper level. I think I've only seen maybe three or four times in the last 20 years uh, the need for, uh, you know, a near sellout or anything like that. So mm-hmm. rough loss for the Beavers last night. I thought it was a game they could have gotten, and they didn't. Uh, it really hurt to have Dexter O'Connell sitting, and, of course, Tyler Billado as well with foul trouble. But other than that, um, uh, eh, they made Clough look too good. Mm. That's, that, that bothered me. But I didn't even see the second half. I, I had to go to bed. And I thought, okay, here we go, 24-21. Actually, I waited up until uh, I went past my bedtime, and I waited up until it was uh, the 16-minute mark, and they had just taken the lead. And I thought, uh, I got to go. I'll check on this. There was a timeout called. They took their first lead, in fact. And unfortunately, it got worse
2: from there. So you picked a good time to go to sleep. Exactly. Wow.
0: exactly. That's, good. That's good. And I did it out of need, not because I thought, ah, oh, this is over. I'm giving up. I wouldn't have given up, but I had to. I just had to, and I was uh, a little surprised that they couldn't have, because once they lost the lead, they regained it again. Oh, actually, they took the lead in the first half, and then they regained the lead but led by three at halftime. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. what it was.
2: And Um, uh, I'll say on on the other side for basketball today, I'm really looking forward to chatting with Ron about the women's team. I mean, this is an enormous weekend.
0: Enormous. It really is. Um you've got two top 10 teams. Number 9 is it USC versus uh, uh and then number 2
2: UCLA. And even bigger when you go look at the net rankings for for how the tournament's going to shape up. Either of these wins would be among the best wins in college basketball this season.
0: Period. Well, and then you had some great wins by other Pac-12 schools at the beginning of the year knocking off Iowa, knocking off uh LSU. Was it Colorado? Beat, Colorado did, yeah. Beat LSU up by 22 at one point. I think they win by 12 way back when, at the beginning of the year. Some great Pac-12 uh, teams this year. If the Beavers were to get into the tournament this year with this Pac-12 uh, depth, I mean that would be one of the best jobs Scott Rook has ever done.
2: Even just going 500 this year would be a, oh, a yeah. testament.
0: It really would, because they, they're coming back from a couple of down years, and they have more depth than ever before, mm-hmm. or at least in a long time. And... Looking very strong, um, I didn't see what happened in the first half when they got down to Oregon and why that was. But clearly, they they started getting hot from the field, turned that around completely for a blowout win.
2: That mm-hmm. had some, uh, as Lindsey Snow, I think said earlier this week, had some trouble w- with Oregon's defense, but but after that, you know, figured it out, yeah. moved the ball a little bit better, knocked down some shots on the outside, and they're going to take. They're going to need two halves of that performance. And she said they're going to be down 30 if they play like they did in the first half against yeah, Oregon right, right. Uh, against either of the two teams this weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with Ron about that. It is it is a huge weekend. It's probably the biggest weekend for the women since I've been here. Yeah, period. That's that's pretty big.
0: Uh yeah, we've had bigger but but for you and this timing right now, yeah. absolutely. I look forward to see the results of that. Gymnastics is on the road in Las Vegas at a at like a blowout all-star tournament where there's over 300 gymnasts competing and uh, they're ranked eighth in the country. And there's a whole bunch of top 25 teams in Vegas at the Orleans arena. And then of course we talked about wrestling earlier. All right. uh, So Ron Callen coming up here in about 10 minutes and Mike Parker next hour, your phone calls and texts wide open on the university Honda text line five, four, one, four, nine, seven, five, three, five, six. Your thoughts about last night, another transfer portal, um, for Oregon State, mm-hmm.
1: uh,
2: pronunciation. Sione Lolohe. Sione
0: Lolohe. There you go. He entered about, I don't know, earlier this morning is when uh, it broke.
2: So we kind of speculated this, and Nick Daschle confirmed it. For players playing in later bowl games, you get a five-day extension window. Okay. I don't know what qualifies as a late bowl. I don't know if they say after Christmas. Yeah. I don't know if they say after the 26th, 27th, et cetera. Whatever. Yeah. You get five extra days. and we're in the 5 day period so 5 days after tuesday would be saturday and the day saturday just get through the
0: weekend yeah i was wondering about that because <laughs> the day after on wednesday tuesday was the deadline alabama loses 9 to the portal and on the air this in the morning i was like what i don't know how they did that but uh clearly they get that extension and that's what happens so. it
2: really stinks the beavers are down to now one returning starter on each side of the ball mm. damian and then jaden robinson on the other side that's that's tough.
0: And they did have a lot of depth. They, they had some young guys that were going to make some noise, but that hurts. That it's hurts a lot. Awful. Yeah. And, you know, I just hope that Damian Martinez doesn't get down seeing that and then deciding to leave at some point. The next window opens April uh, 15th. For, I, it's only a two-week window.
2: Mm-hmm. I hope he when he made his decision, he made his decision very early.
0: Well, he made his yeah. decision he, about the bowl game. See, that's, that's the thing. I remember reading everything about, I'm playing in the bowl, I'm I'm all beavers, you know, go beavers. Before any of the transfers occurred, or, or just at the beginning of the transfer, I'm playing in the bowl. Now, maybe I missed it, and you saw it, but I didn't see any declaration of staying a beaver. He just said, I'm playing in that bowl game, and then the DUI happened, and it just kind of everything went silent. But did you see him make a declaration? Your of word, him
2: remaining a beaver. The words you're correct. He said, "I hope to be a beaver in 2024." That That's was, what he said. That was
0: the first statement, and then everything after that was all about playing in the bowl game, mm-hmm. and then the DUI, and it all went silent. So at this point, as far as there hasn't that I know of, there's no declaration for him to go back on.
2: As far as, as far as I know, which. I don't know anything. But, but I would say he'll be back next year. I I I think he would have made his decision by now. Which I could be wrong. Uh, I, I could totally I be so. wrong. I'm not the I'm wrong. not the all-knowing power, but I hope you're from right. everything Damien has said online and all the interviews he's done, imagine he uh, he's he's staying. But yeah. Nothing is for certain in this world, but it is just it's so disappointing. Uh, it, it really is because this is Trent's got his work cut out for him.
0: He does. He really has his work cut out for him. And I know that, that you know, just, just kind of a lead-in. We'll talk with Ron here in about eight minutes. But there was this talk that you go with Trent Bray for keeping guys. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Now, I don't know. Forget fault. Yeah. Let's just talk about the situation. It didn't work. So now you've got a young guy that, that yeah, everybody loves. And, and there's a lot of confidence there, myself included. But he's got his work cut out for him now.
2: It's it. Uh, I think the notion, the idea, a lot of people had, and that the uh, was that there was going to be less need of build up. Trenton would have to build something because he's not Jonathan. He he would have to build something on his own. He has to put his own stamp on it. He has to build his own culture. He has to build his own coaching staff. He has to build a, a group of guys that specifically believe in his vision as a head coach. And for Jonathan Smith, that took. Four seasons to finally break through and make a bowl game, and really have that that flushed out roster, full of his guys, full recruiting classes, et cetera, et cetera, messaging everywhere. Yeah, and the expectation was that you know, Trent is not going to get this runway that that the the other coaches normally get. When Jonathan got when he got here, he he didn't. So when Jonathan got here, they knew, hey, this is going to take some time. Yeah, like this is like look what look where we are. This, we are going to need to really build something up. And you but, were
0: starting from the very bottom.
2: But now, you're right, you were. And now, more than ever, we've talked about how important it is to be relevant next year. The Beavers need to be an attractive product. They need to be have people want to watch them, which is most important. And they very well could be very entertaining to watch next year. But we can't know that for certain because there's two returning starters, brand new coaching staff, etc. And that's just, that's a very difficult scenario uh, to envision, hey, like, we're going to, oh, 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 like, what, so Trent, Trent's hired. And he says, I, I fully believe we are going to compete for the 12-team college football playoff next season. Mm-hmm. With a brand-new coaching staff and brand-new players, it just, it, it, it makes people feel less confident. It's hard. It is so. It's so difficult. And Trent could blow us all away. Ryan Gunderson could come in and put the best offense anyone's ever seen at Oregon State. He, he could. We. What do we know? He isn't he's been an offensive coordinator before? But the, the unknown for how this roster is going to look next year and what a full recruiting class looks like in year one and what the results will be on the football field is. Uh, it, a little nerve-wracking for people, and I get it. I get it. So I want to shout out two of our our, our very loyal listeners and callers, Merle jr. And, and Andy and Mitchell. they they're friends, yeah, they share a Twitter account. I see their tweets quite often, and they brought this point up to me on the post-game show. and I've seen them hash out a little bit more on on Twitter over the over the course of the week. It's like, okay, so we were like as fans. And, guys, if, if I said anything wrong, you can call me out on the text line. Five four one four nine seven five three five six. They said, so if Trent's hired, it's roster continuity. But now there's less of that. There's less roster continuity. And it's like, man, this hurts. Right. Because you're promised one thing and you get the opposite. And even if you believe in Trent, regardless of, you said, even if Trent brings in a whole bunch of new guys, I like Trent as a head coach. Doesn't matter. As long as he brings in his guys, doesn't matter if they're the same guys on the roster. Yeah, That's fine. And that's okay. But when you have to bring in new guys in, it takes longer. And they, don't, they just don't have the time. They don't have the time. We're talking about year three. Well, year three, we don't know what's happening year three from now. Right. And what are those players who are going to be here playing in year three? What do they think? It's like, well, if you, got, if you don't know why, like, I would want to go somewhere more certain. Right. It's scary. That's uh, That's why they're...
0: It's got to be one of the huge reasons why they're bailing. And unfortunately, I think there are people in the players' ears telling them things that With, aren't true.
2: Without a doubt.
0: I mean, they're saying you won't even have a program, which is ridiculous.
2: Without a doubt. Like, I don't... That's not... It's so unfair.
0: Like, it... It, it is unfair because it's... It, the negative recruiting process, it's it's not right. and And, you know, you can't do anything about that. Life's not fair, but... One thing that is legislated or our uh-huh. rules against is tampering, tampering with players during the year. And everybody knows that that goes on. And that can kill programs.
2: But the the, all the the problem with that, as you know, is you can't rat someone out for that because they'll be like, oh, haven't you tampered too? What if it's... you don't tamper?
0: What if you don't? Let's say Oregon State doesn't tamper and they play by the rules and everybody else is tampering and they're using everything against Against you by yeah. talking to players, and what they do is they talk to the players' agent or family members, mm-hmm. and then the information gets to them. It's or it's a uh, it's something that's been going on for years. Yeah, we
2: we know it happens. We we one hundred percent know it happens. I wonder how hard it would be to prove. Is it easy as uh, as as showing text messages? Like, the only way, what?
0: yeah, would be if players came forward and said, "This is happening, and I have the proof." Here's mm. here's the text. Here's the email.
2: Is it want not wanting to burn bridges, like right? right. No
0: one wants to rat anybody out, so that it's it hasn't come up yet. The whole, one day it will.
2: Yeah, well oh I'm sure it will. One day I'm sure someone will. will challenge
0: the tampering issue and bring. Uh, I don't doubt it. Uh, I don't uh, doubt uh, yeah. it. That's a
2: good point. I don't I don't doubt that.
0: All right, let's break Ron's ready to go. We'll talk with Ron Callen. He is down in Los Angeles with Oregon State women's basketball. Huge weekend for the Oregon State women's team both tonight and on Sunday afternoon against USC first and then 2nd right UCLA after that. Along with T.J. Matthews and I'm John Warren. We'll take your texts throughout the program and your phone calls around our interviews, and it's 541-497-5356. Back with Ron after this on 1240 Joe Radio and 93.7 FM. All right, it is uh, 1130, and we have Ron Callan on the line as we, bring, as we continue now with the Joe Beaver Show. We've talked about a number of things, the basketball game last night, football, transfers, tampering, all of that in the first 30 minutes of the program, and now we bring in Ron Callan. I was just asking, Ron, where are you staying? And it's been 20 years since I was doing what uh, Ron is doing, and, and I've told this story many times. But when you go to USC and UCLA, and, and everybody does it different, you can. We stayed in one spot, Marina Del Rey, to play both schools and just not have to change hotels. In fact, the men's team did that too, Ron. And back then, Mike was in the elevator with Wallace Shawn, who was in, um, <laughs> you know, the voice of the dinosaur in Toy Story, and he was in right, my, my right. dinner with Andre. And uh, Princess Bride, I love that little guy. He was in the elevator with Wallace Shawn, and in the perfect way to deal with celebrities. And I believe this with all my heart. And Mike and I, without even talking about this, do the same thing. When you come across a celebrity, you say something to them without them, without bending the knee or kissing the ring. So what they're doing is they're looking ahead, like you do in an elevator. And Mike uh, just kind of whispered this obscure line from my dinner with Andre without looking at him and saying, you're Wallace Shawn, nothing like that, just some line. And he said that Wallace Shawn just kind of nodded and smiled, and then the doors opened, and he got off the elevator, and that's all you need. So in, Love it. in all of your your stories that you give us of things where you you've done so many things or seen so many people, try that next time when you come upon a celebrity.
3: Well, you know, I'll, I'm going to do that tomorrow because uh, an Oregon State alum, who is now a Hollywood celebrity, his name's John Brotherton. He's been in Furious Seven. He's been in The Conjuring. He's a regular on Fuller House, which was the sequel to Full House. Yeah. And he, has uh, an Oregon State alum, fallen in love with the women's basketball program. So the last uh, couple of years down here, we've seen him. He's supposed to be, meet up with us tomorrow to try to get him on the podcast. John Brotherton's his name. Great guy, and uh, pretty humble. But he's just in love with the team because he's got two daughters playing basketball. And since he's a Beaver alum, he just can't get enough of uh, Scott Ruick's team.
0: I've never heard of him. That's a really cool story. I didn't know there was a Beaver alum that was in those shows and stuff. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it'd be great if you did hook up with him.
3: Yeah. So we're going to try tomorrow and. Uh... Reagan Beer's brothers are on the, are not on the trip with us, but they're supposed to be coming to the game this week. And Rowdy and uh, Rocky, you know, the big brothers who basically mm-hmm. she battled against in the driveway growing up. <laughs> you know, and you can see why she's so uh, she's tough. She's not afraid, right? Because she's uh, well, she's a heck of a basketball player and athlete. But I mean, she got some good uh, practice growing up, being tough inside.
0: It's great when they have support. I remember filling in for you. A couple of years ago in Vancouver. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. On that trip, there was some brothers, and I can't remember which beaver player it was. And, oh, man, they made a lot of noise. This beaver player's family members. I can't remember who it was, but they were, um, I wouldn't say obnoxious because they were on our side. Let's just put it that way.
3: <laughs> well, you know, another person I'm looking forward to seeing is a Beaver alum, uh, Ali Gibson, mm. who, of course, was uh, on the very first Pac-12 Championship team, 2014-2015 season, and then, of course, she went on to play in the Olympics for Puerto Rico. Uh, she had a great uh, pro career, but you know, she's working at the University of San Diego. Just got a big promotion. Uh, in sports administration there, so she's going to be my halftime guest on Sunday at Pauly. Good for her. Uh, So looking forward So all you Beaver fans, you you, you know, you love Alec Gibson. She's going to be a guest at halftime.
0: Good for her. That is great news. She was kind of the first Jamie Wisner, and what I mean by that is that scrapping not just get mad when things don't go well, like really mad, and that kind of a competitor. And then along with Jamie, you had that firepower to get that team to the Final Four the next year.
3: Exactly, Jamie and Sidney uh, Weiss and Ruth Hamlin and Gabby Hampton. We'd go on and on, Colby Gorham That was just a great group, and it's great to see uh, most of them when they were inducted into the Oregon State Hall of Fame, uh, what, two months ago now? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, but this is going to be a big one tonight against USC. This is, uh, this is a tough, real, first true road trip of the year for the team.
0: It really is. It's at the Galen Center, and I, I have to tell you real quick, in, uh, you know, having done this from 99 to 06, what you're doing, they were building the Galen Center, and then when I left, they opened it the next year. I've not seen the Galen Center, and I've seen every, every venue in the Pac-12 conference except for the Galen Center, and I wish I could because we, we did, and I don't know if you've ever been to or done any games at the old L.A. Coliseum, uh, or what was it called? Um, the right next- the Sports Center? Yeah, the Sports Center, the L.A. Sports Arena, which was old- And I am not kidding you when I say that there were birds flying around inside the venue while the games (laughs) were going on. And the Clippers at the time were still playing there. I mean, it was a fully functional arena, which, by the way, I think was the filming. They used that arena to film Rocky 1, the original Rocky 1 with the final fight scenes were in that arena, in the L.A. sports arena. It was supposed to be in Philadelphia.
3: You know, it kind of reminds me of the Portland, uh, Coliseum, you know, the old one, the, the glass house, you know, but I mean, it's rough around the edges. Yeah. I remember seeing Sonics and clippers there years ago. And then when they opened up that new arena in Anaheim, I was doing the arena football and I saw the Portland Thunder. I broadcast Portland thunder versus LA kiss owned by Gene Simmons and the kiss rock band. So, I mean, you know, LA has gone through quite a few transformations with their teams and, uh, and and hey, they're going to they're going to go through a huge transformation uh, right here at USC because they're you know turning their backs on the Pac-12 and, and doing what nine other teams are doing. So uh, hey, they're part of that gang that's going to be uh, you know going to be. A, a, I, I saw the Wayne Tinkle article about him saying a lot of coaches in Pac-12 are already uh-huh. wishing they can come back. They're not even gone yet, right? But uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out as the future uh, portends, uh, John.
0: All right, a couple of things are happening as we speak. You just dropped a nugget I need follow-up on. While you're talking, T.J. is more animated than I've ever seen him.
2: Not related. Okay, or
0: never mind. I not related. Not related. See, when we're on the air and you're that, like that, I, it makes me think that something just broke.
2: <laughs> well, something did just break, but not related to this conversation. Was it sports? It was. Well,
0: what was it? It was a Mariners thing, but unrelated to this conversation. <laughs> T.J.'s uh, got Mariners on the mind. Um, the Portland Thunder, are we talking about the old uh, World Football League team?
3: The Portland Thunder was from the uh, Arena Football League, and I did their play-by-play in 2015 and
0: 2016. Uh, because I did the play-by-play for the Portland Forest Dragons in 1997-98, right. <laughs> and I didn't even know the Portland there was a Portland Thunder team. I was down here and had forgotten everything up there. But, uh, yeah, great. Well, I didn't even realize they, they brought back Arena Football for that short amount of time. Did you play? Well,
3: they did it for two, two years. They did the Thunder then- the league took it over after the first year I was doing it, and the second year it was called the Portland Steel. Huh. And uh, so I've yeah, I've got a lot of free clothes from both teams. Wow, those are <laughs> collectibles. In the closet,
0: those are collectibles. I think
3: I might take them to Goodwill at some point.
0: Yeah, it was fun doing it, Arena. You and I, it's funny, the same same path. All right, let's get into the nuts and bolts. <laughs> Tell us about this USC team. How do they differ from UCLA? So because the. The Beavers will be facing both teams. One team is number nine, that's USC. The other, UCLA, is number two. I I just think of UCLA through the years as having star power, but never living up to the expectations.
3: Well, I I think this could be. Everybody says this could be the year for UCLA. I mean, they they've got such experience. You know, I mean, they've got Osborne as a guard who played 37 minutes the other day against USC, and and you look at the USC starting lineup: three graduate students, but the player who is drawing all the attention is uh, freshman Juju Watkins, who's averaging under just under 30 points per game. Mm. They've had, uh, you know, the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week award. She's won it seven times. Oh. No, no Beaver, even though I think Donovan Hunter has deserved it. Uh, has Bailey, she is the entire show. She shoots a ton. Uh, you know, I'm expecting, you know, if I think that the Beavers can hold her to 20, but here, here's the key, John, this year, the Beaver defense has really stepped up uh, in all sorts of areas. And one that's really important is, uh, you know, defense as far as field goal percentage. The Beavers are uh, averaging holding their opponents to a little over 30%, which is really good. It's in the top ten in D1. They're going to have to play great defense tonight uh, against this team that finally is garnering some attention and getting some crowds. I mean, uh, of course, at Pauly last weekend they had 13,000 for the Bruins Trojans. Uh, I think the biggest crowd they've had at home is, around 2000, which is like four times what they usually have. It's really, when you talk about seeing the Galen Center, you can see almost all of the seats because there are very few people who show up. And especially on a Friday night, you wonder because the traffic issues uh, in Los Angeles, right? But they're playing hard. And you know who's really successful is their coach, Lindsay Gottlieb. Mm -hmm. I mean, she coached at UC Santa Barbara three years, eight years at Cal, and now in her third year here, in Southern California, she's just a very successful coach, and she's averaging over 20 wins a season the last six seasons for the two teams she was coaching. So uh, she knows how to get it done. She and Scott have been battling each other for the 14 years. Scott has been basically in in the Pac-12. So uh, I, I know that the players are ready. The Oregon State players, they're confident. Um, you know, they're tough inside. They play so hard. You saw that against Morgan State. I know they kind of got off to not a great first half, and in the second half they turned it on, just like they did against Oregon. Remember how they held Morgan State through nothing in that second half against Oregon? They outscored them 47-18. Wow. So, um, you know, they were a little tight, I think, against Oregon. First conference game, both teams were really, when you look at the halftime score, 23-15 Ducks. But, man, oh, man. Um, I'm excited about this team. It's great to see a 12 and 0 team. First thing that first time that's happened since the the team that got shut down by COVID. They were 15 and 0 to start that season with Michaela Pivik, know, that was such a great team. And she was, you know, she was robbed she was, didn't yeah. get another COVID year like other players did. But she was so good. That team was so good. They could have gone so far. But uh, you know, hey, you know. Bigger, bigger things happen that kind of just denied them. So. It's all
0: coming back to me now because I remember that there was such high hopes of a big, big run for that team, and then the whole thing gets shut down. I want to ask you about Beers and this weekend. Yeah. Is there opportunity for her to, uh, uh, to have some big games, or is she going to be met with some competition on the front line?
3: I, I think, you know, the way I, I'm looking at this, both of the coaches, Kari Close for UCLA and Gottlieb, they're going to double her. They're going to try to deny her the ball. So it's going to, you know, players like Tamiya Gardner, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. they've got to step up big time. I mean, they've got to make shots. I I, I think the bees need to make double figures, three-pointers in both games because I think the plan by – I have no evidence other than seeing thousands of games over the years. I think they know that Reagan – You know, she's got 23 double-doubles, John. Mm -hmm. She's just still not even halfway through her sophomore year. I mean, she's dominant. And if they get the ball in the right spot, I think they're going to try to loosen her up, maybe high-post her, and then she, you know, the give-and-goes and and things like that. Let's see how they they try to get her away from being doubled and even
2: triple-teamed sometimes. Yeah. Ron Callen joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Ron, what did that, what did the first half, Against the Ducks last weekend, like what did that? I would say bring out of the team that is going to help them here this weekend.
3: well I think they know they can't get off to a slow start. A, B, the the butterflies or jitters over the first first conference game. They got to get rid of that and not worry about it. You look at the difference between Tamia Gardner from the first half to the second half. I mean. You know, Talia Von Ohlhoff made this long three early in the third quarter. It kind of just opened up the, the doors. Everybody said, let's relax and have fun. They got to have fun. You know, this is the first true road game. How are they going to react to it? I mean, a lot of players really thrive on a crowd that's against them sometimes, right? Chip on your shoulders. So we'll see. But, you know, I, I think that was a good lesson, too. You just relax, but play hard. They, and, and hey, you know, Oregon had the size. But Reagan Beers had three incredible blocks against Kay. And and so she's got to, you know, and and then here's the other factor, guys. Pac-12 officials. How are they going to call this game tonight? You know, Charles Gonzalez is the lead official tonight, and he was on Maui, and Scott got a tee. So we'll keep an eye on that tonight, too. But I think it's going to be a great game. It's great. You know, Pac-12 conference, I mean, is the toughest conference in – uh, the nation, if they can, you know, hold their own during the season, I mean, they're already ranked, what, 28th in the NCAA net standings, 28th in the AP poll. If you follow the Matthew ratings, which is a really a great index on uh, all sports, uh, they're 17th right now, and USC is 18th. Yeah. So uh, that, that takes everything into consideration, you know, because the Beavers, for example, tonight, guys, USC has made 315 baskets. They've had 182 assists on those baskets. The Beavers, they've made 324 baskets. They have 232 assists. Mm. Almost That's the, much the better ratio yeah, very close, USC.
0: very close in total baskets but killing them in assists per basket. That's uh, those are great numbers. Those are great numbers. They have been distributing, and this team gets along so well. And when I was doing the game, because it was a blowout, I got to see, you know, some players who don't play that often, and and you know, with Adley Blacklock uh, hitting some threes, and and uh, Cor- uh, cover or what, or cover, sorry, she was fantastic with assists. She had seven assists in that game. So maybe they don't get the minutes tonight or this weekend, but at least there's some depth there.
3: Well, you know, and if Adley comes in and knocks down a 3 right off, she'll she'll get some minutes. Just like against Morgan State, man, she was on a roll. And you did a great job. I'm sitting in my hotel room listening to you in El Paso. (laughs) And, man, it sounded like she was having a great day.
2: She was. Ron Callen joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Ron, what is something that, now that you've digested a full non-conference slate and this team is headed head-on into Pac-12 play, what's something that's really impressed you about what you've seen so far?
3: You know, I think John brought it up. These these kids are so together. I mean, the five sophomores, you know, made that pledge last year. They're going to stick at Oregon State. And then the other person that is really coming on strong is A.J. Murat. She's a junior. She is such a shooter. You know, shooter, shoot, and she is such a shooter. I mean, the depth of the roster. Think about the game against Oregon. Who comes in in the third quarter and knocks down two clutch three-pointers Lily Hansford. Mm. I mean, it, it, she, she's a tough defender. Uh, you know, she's underrated as a defender, so she's gotten more minutes lately. But I think that the, the togetherness, and they want to win. They want to get back to that NCAA tournament. They want to show everybody that Oregon State is still one of the top teams in the nation. And hey, But, hey, this, this weekend is huge just because you know, your first road trip is against two teams that are in the top ten.
0: They're going to be fun. Hey, before we let you go, quick thought on the bowl game. How, how was the experience? Uh, the game was awful. Forget that. Football's a mess. Things are, are are not good. But it's still the Sun Bowl, and I did experience that, and they do it very well. Only what you got that we didn't get in 2006 was a full stadium. Was the experience a lot of fun?
3: You know, uh, when I was there in 08 with the Beavs, it was fun. But this was really fun as far as, you know, I mean, the people were so friendly. And then it was a packed house. And I'm on the sidelines, and I see this guy who's kind of dressed up. I and mean, He has this big badge, President Sun Bowl. So I went up to him, and I said, well, oh, what do you think? He goes, look. Look at this crowd. Look at this beautiful weather. Yeah, we don't have any professional sports here in El Paso. This is our Super Bowl. We want to show the country they, the Sun Bowl, and it may be hard to get to, but it's one of the best bowl games in the country. And it was the 90th, the 55th consecutive on CBS.
1: Mm, and yeah. Carl
3: Madden took a great picture of me, guys. I have it. I, I'll have to send it to you. It's me, Jake Levengood, Katina Aladapo at the coin flip. And it, it, it it's, just, it's just a great time. Although, you know, it's worrisome just to see more and more players entering the yeah. portal and it's it's just the it reality is. right now, and you know let's see how it all shakes out. They've got some new guys coming in they've got I met the defensive new defensive line coach yesterday walking to uh Gill and what a great guy and he was he was you know he was uh here for a, a little while under Gary Anderson, but he's excited to be here, excited to be back and uh let's see how it all shakes
0: out. Ron, thanks for your time. Have fun tonight. We'll be listening here on Joe. You'll be on Joe on Sunday, of course. And uh, just can't wait. Really looking forward to a couple of great games in Los Angeles. Guys, TJ and John, thank you so much. All right, take care. There you go, Ron Callen, joining us from the road. Lots of good information on Oregon State women's basketball. We'll take our final break this hour and come back. Your phone calls are always welcome at 541-497-5356. Same phone number for the the uh, University Haunted text line. It's the Downward Dog phone line. I'm John Warren with TJ Matthewson back after this timeout on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, it is uh, 55 after the hour. Your phone calls, we've been getting some texts. I want to, I want to comment on that. Go ahead, TJ.
2: Let's get to this text. So I did shout out Merle Jr. and Andy and and Merle, bless him, <laughs> just uh, was uh, responded to to my retort and fleshed out some more of his thoughts. So I'm going to give some of these here really quickly. At the bottom of the hour, and then once we hit the top, we will uh, we'll dive back into this a little bit more. So here's like the his summary of thoughts on this whole scenario on what I was trying to lay out with with Trent right. and Bray earlier. Right. So he says, okay. So first of all, let's think about this. Uh, outside of Charles and Jermod McCoy and Charles, as he said, was leaving no matter what because he was going with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. That was his guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No underclassmen have left. So positive one. Bolden leaving hurts, great player, but also been at Oregon State for four years. Extra COVID year for many is weird for transfers right now. Silas, after playing for four full seasons, could have
0: would have been a bonus. It's a bonus.
2: It would have been a bonus, anyways. Yeah. yeah. So that that's that that is real too. Okay. Lots of young talent still. If Melvin Jordan, Isaiah Chisholm type players leave, that would raise big alarms. They mm-hmm. have not left. Right. Yeah. Bray has also. Brought in a relatively unproven coaching staff. Not sure how they have, quote unquote, recruited the current roster or wanted to bring in their, quote unquote, own guys. I don't know how that qualifies. I don't know what qualifies as own guys right now for them, but we would have to see as the roster churns out throughout the spring. Next point. One underrated point about Jonathan is that he maximized the completely bare roster left to him. He made a point to, quote, re recruit players on the roster. Isaiah Hodgins, Artavis Pierce, Jaden Grant, Jake Luton, etc. It's disappointing the lack of a retention of Easton Bray, position coach. He put in uh, parentheses and any defensive guys because Bray was defensive coach would have thought that would have been a key point to retain that side of the football.
0: That's true, especially you know on that hire, making that hire. You're thinking you're not going to lose any football, any uh, defensive guys, mm-hmm. and if you do, it'd be one or two, and they just. Some circumstances says they've been here forever and it's time to go. Whatever. But eh, those are some big losses. Mm-hmm. Those are some huge losses. McCoy is a big loss because he was a true freshman with all that experience.
2: He was. It's disappointing. I think he's going to Tennessee. He's projected to to go to Tennessee. So I'm sure he's going to be valued quite a bit there. Yeah,
0: and I'm reading that Silas Bolden's getting offers from all, all, over, all the over
2: the place. And he should. He's great. He's yeah. a great football player. He yeah. sh- he absolutely should be. And. Nick Daschle made a good point on on Twitter this morning. He's like, "Hey, listen, like, look, like, just zoom out and look at it this way. What one percent of these guys will play in the NFL? One percent, two percent, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The rest will never see a snap in the NFL. They won't see a dime of NFL money.
0: That's why in their I, entire lives. That's why I don't like the. Uh, go ahead, finish. So this. when
2: you get the opportunity for a couple hundred thousand dollars that you can use to catapult your own career and your own life." Into however you want to spend that money, the opportunity when it presents itself, like it's just it is very hard to blame the players for okay for but, being offered that money.
0: Okay, then that begets a, a question. Then okay, that makes the question the next question: how much, how many of these 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 uh, defections, if you will, into the transfer portal are for more money than what they could get at Oregon State? That's
2: a good question. I don't know the answer to that question because That's
0: then, very fair. then then you wonder what.
2: Why are why they leaving? Everyone is motivated by different things. And I mean,
0: if a guy, if three or four guys are going somewhere for, you know, $100,000 more than they could get here, that's understandable. If three or four guys are going for the same amount of money, they just don't want to be here anymore because correct. they think that things are falling apart, then that's a bad thing.
2: And the latter is significantly worse than the former.
0: Right. We significantly. Don't- and so well, that's really a question we don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever get the answer, except for rumors of some guy, mm-hmm. well, he told, I heard that so-and-so said, but, but really the question is, are they getting offered more money? And if so, why? I thought we were kind of making this push to build that NIL, mm. and if so, then we need to make a push to build it even bigger.
2: Yep. Hey, you bring a very good point right there. It All is right. the name of the game.
0: Mike Parker at around 1225, and then your phone calls and our topics coming up uh, in hour number two as we finish off the work week here on a Friday. Along with TJ, I'm John. Back with uh, hour number two after this time out on 1240 Joe Radio.
4: 1240 Joe Radio welcomes you to the Joe Beaver Show the only show on the electric radio dealing with life's greatest questions... How are the beavers doing this season? ...but with sympathy for life's hierarchy of needs. Will you go to lunch? Go to lunch! Will you go to lunch? Yes, please go to lunch. Take a long lunch. And join us as we ponder life's big questions... How are the beavers doing this season? Groucho is in! This is the last hat of its kind. The beavers have stopped making them. They're all out playing football. Fields... He's in. What's that, beaver's Town. And you, you're welcome in to the Joe Beaver Show, where we're not concerned with life's trifling questions. What do you know about life after death? But with visions of packed ten glory. You know how it's gonna be. And the inside scoop. Give it to me straight, Doc. So join the party. Let's make Joe famous. Sure, I'm Willem. And now, here are your hosts, John... That's the word in the street, Johnny. Warren and Mike... Have dabbled in Kierkegaard. Parker, on the home of the Beavers,
0: 1240 Joe Radio. All right, here we go. Hour number two on uh, what's turned out to be a sunny day, which we thought it would. That is fantastic. On this Friday, we'll reconvene on Monday. Mike will be back from the Washington trip. Oregon State losing 65 to at Washington State last night. We'll recap with Doc Parker and get a look ahead and uh, and get his feelings on some things bro- breaking in the, in the news and sports here these last couple of days when Mike has been gone. And uh, again, take your phone calls or your texts at 541-497-5356. Things happen while the show is unfolding. It happens every day. One thing that came across uh, uh, on my Twitter feed, uh, Oregon State Baseball ranked number nine in the preseason perfect game poll. That's Really cool. I think they're they're loaded this year, even more so from last year. They're loaded this year. There's a lot of optimism that we haven't really touched on because it hasn't been baseball season for a while. Mm -hmm. But I think that now in the next week or so or two weeks, we should really start to kind of build because we will literally blink and it will be first game in Surprise, Arizona, the middle of February.
2: We talk a lot about What's the football landscape going to look like in 5 to 10 years? Yeah. What's the college baseball landscape going to look like? How is it how is it going to operate how the SEC teams like are they going to stay are are they going to stay like collegiate like SEC baseball programs make money? Yeah. Like, I think they make money. Yeah, I, I don't know their books, but if I had to guess the amount of times they're on TV and the amount of fans they pack into those stadiums, I would imagine they 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 are in the green. I would imagine with those programs for how they operate. So are they still like are are they still going to be collegiate? Are they are they going to are they going to be somewhere in between? Say, you know the the SEC. Most of the SEC, we imagine in five to ten years in football is going to break off and be in a different league. We imagine separate from college. If I'm gonna, if I'm to yes, that, that's where it's that's where it's trending with yeah. all the money. Uh, so where's the baseball? So is the baseball going to do what all the Olympic sports does and? They're going to stay connected to the school. Everyone's enrolled in classes and they're still going to play in the league and have the normal tournament. Is that going to be the same or like, is there going to be something different? Because Oregon state now, uh, like, do they ever have a reason to, if they can like put together two for two years, if they can put together an elite independent schedule, correct? Do they ever have an incentive to play in a conference? If they can, I, I if, don't think so. If they can consistently get teams to come here to Corvallis, if and, and some yeah. teams are like, "Yes, absolutely, we'll take you if you guys want to fly wherever you're going to fly and 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 play." What? What's the? Why would? What incentive do you need to join a join a conference? Uh, that's a great question. There's not any independence in baseball, I don't think. So there's no real precedent set. But why would? Uh, why would you? Why would you need to? It, it, well, it's interesting you bring that up.
0: Because I wasn't planning on it, getting into this topic this way. But we are, because you brought it up, because I brought up just the fact that Perfect Game has Oregon State ranked number nine. Now, the baseball of what you're speaking of, independent schedule, strength, all of that, came up in what we were going to basically address as the opening salvo of this hour's conversation, and that is the Q&A that Scott Barnes did with Nick Daschle. And it was tremendous. Nick asked all the right questions. And we don't want to steal from the article, but we want to give him attribution and talk about some of the questions and answers. And one of them them was about baseball. Mm. In fact, there was a complete separate article saying that baseball would most likely, leaning heavily, if you will, from Scott Barnes, go independent for the next two years. Because all the sports, except for wrestling and baseball, and we talked to uh, uh, Chris Pendleton. He didn't know when we asked him, what are you guys doing in the future for two years? He, at the time, he didn't know a couple days ago. And that was brought up as well, but baseball saying that, look, <laughs> we're in a position, Scott says, and I can just see it now, we're in a position meaning, uh, unlike every other program in the, within the athletic department, we are a, such a blue blood with such consistent blue blood uh, competition and levels of competition and w- where we get to, meaning mm. either Omaha or certainly regionals or super regionals consistently, we can easily make this schedule for two years. We can fill 56 games for two years. Now, he didn't get into the particulars of it, and it'd be be really, really interesting to find out on the 25-26 schedule how many great programs will be coming here Mm. because we know the Beavers can go anywhere, but you don't want to spend the entire season on the road just to fill your schedule. So as you kind of pointed, touched on a little bit, how many of those great teams will come here? If, If you can get an agreement on home and homes, with uh, LSU, Vanderbilt, uh, Texas A&M, Texas, Arkansas. Arkansas, pick
2: any ACC team you want. I know the right. ACC has uneven amounts of teams, so, yeah.
0: And And, of course, there will be series. You know there will be. He didn't say it. Scott Barnes didn't say it, but you know there will be baseball series with ASU, Arizona, Oregon, Yep. All of the West Coast area, West region teams, and certainly Oregon. You're going to probably play as many as you can. And they probably are, too, because of the travel in yeah. the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, they'll probably be playing at just as many games against Oregon in those two seasons as they yeah. have every single season right. since Oregon brought baseball back, five right. a year.
0: Now, Dave from Tumwater touched on it um, when he brought up the article, and we'll touch on it right now. We'll get into it anyway with a couple of points from that article. But Dave said that it was a big deal to hear Coach Barnes say, or Coach Scott Barnes say that he does, he leaves the 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 coaches to to mm-hmm. scheduling their own sports. That's always been the case. Yeah, so that is not nothing. That's nothing new.
2: So CBB brings up a, a good point, which is the something you would have to weigh about having an independent schedule. It's well, how are you going to get weekend game series and most other teams are playing conference schedules? Is not that correct? So if they realize in these two seasons, hey, it's just too difficult to. To schedule weekend series because there's not enough there's not enough openings in a conference weekend yeah. to play. For example, the SEC has an even number of teams, but whatever so league that is, has an odd number is right, where you would go. Correct. I think, which I, I I'm almost certain is the ACC, and the ACC is a very good baseball league. Yeah. So that's gonna that would be a good one to play in, but. As I said, we don't know what like the college baseball landscape is going to look like in a few years. Overall
0: college baseball.
2: Would If they're if the Beavers are going to be like, okay, we'll be independent, would they want to go play in a different faraway conference on their own? Could they do that? Well, uh, I, I, I don't think, I don't know.
0: You are so sure you're actually talking as if this football thing is actually going to happen, that the SEC is going to break away, and, and it's going to be completely different as far as, uh, how the whole thing is set up. Yeah. Conferences are going to be different. Shifting is continuing as we speak. But what you're suggesting, that it all gets torn apart and the SEC breaks away from everything, I'm not so sure that's ever going to happen.
2: I will just say we're not going to go back to the old system. Which that is, is what we know. Which is what? What everything was 15 years ago. Which is what? I mean, St- As sta- far as... Stable. So, or even as things are right now. Right this second... In but again with what with with bowl games
0: or with conferences
2: or conferences in this 2023 football season will not be this way again. No, there will be new conferences, but I think there will be conferences. So there will be conferences, and for baseball, there might be conferences. So. But
0: they'll be new. The shifting is going. Like, yeah. You know, there's there could be something to this whole Brett Yormark turn the if Florida State and Clemson win their cases, and or if Florida State does, and then they just say, we're out of here because if you go undefeated, you don't get into the Final Four, we're mm. out. And they get mad and they go. Then let's say the ACC is going, uh-oh, we need some help. If Yormark's idea of, recu- of, of, of helping those teams out – the Beavers and Cougars the old Pac-12 western region teams like uh, Arizona Arizona State that are now in his Big 12 mm-hmm. and creating 10 10 and 10 east central and west if if your mark's successful in that and the Beavers and Cougars go into it it'll be conference it'll just be new
2: so hear me out on on uh, on on my point uh here on that so you're yeah, right i yeah. think that i think that will happen i do think that there there is going to be that subdivision under, potentially led by Brett Yormark in the Big 12, Yeah. who seems to be in a, an aggregation mode, as he's been as commissioner. The precedent, I, th- or I think the, the leadoff was started, leadoff, I don't know the right word for it, but I think the ball got rolling this season with Michigan. I think... So what if Michigan wins the national championship on Monday and they beat Washington like many of our listeners wish will happen right. and very well could happen. They're favored. Sure. Michigan wins a national championship. The chosen child, Jim Harbaugh, comes home, wins a national championship, and then because the NCAA does thinks Jim Harbaugh was involved in that cheating scandal, mm-hmm. who knows if he actually was. I'm, I'm, I'm not certain. And they put sanction but, on him? And they put sanctions on him, and they're like, Harbaugh, we're going to suspend you. And he's like, well, I'm off to the NFL. Right. And Michigan's going to turn to the NCAA and be like, so we just won a national championship, and you, you just chased our head coach out of college football. This is unfair. And that's going to set the idea in their head. It's like, so the NCAA just took away one of our greatest assets, which is our head coach, Jim Harbaugh, here, yeah. because of something he may or may not have did. Why are they in charge of us?
0: Well, that kind of stuff has been going on for a long time, Mm. where the NCAA makes decisions that
2: crush programs and and ticks them off. And it's, but I think it's eventually going to get to the point where it's going to tick off a school enough that they're going to be like, "Oh, we're good. We don't need. We're going to separate from you." And there's going to be a there's going to be enough football programs that are willing to separate from the NCAA. And once that happens, they're under no obligation to. I I don't know. Actually, know the exact thing about it, but. I would say once that happens, I would guess there's no obligation for needing to be connected to a school, like for having kids enrolled in classes, you would all of a sudden not have to worry about scholarship limits. All those rules except,
0: except go money. out the window. Except money. You're separating yourself from the NCAA basketball tournament money.
2: But the football programs don't care about that. Well, are you saying just the football programs yes, are going to do Yes, just this? football. Just football as a separate entity it's, of it's itself. It's an interesting
0: prospect. It's an interesting prospect. I don't because know the, how they would do it. The
2: football it. teams don't get any money from the NCAA or true. not a substantial true, amount. True, they but get you're the all money part
0: of the school. So you are wondering who can you do that? I don't know. I don't know if you if, how they would do that.
2: I think with the money wh- is where it is. I think it'll get to the point where that is going to be considered, and it might already be considered. It might be talked about behind closed doors. Is the most efficient way for these programs to operate moving ahead would be without the NCAA. And once that happens, that's where I think that separator is from the rest of the league. I want to get to the
0: phone line. Dave is holding on the line the other day. And, uh, but a quick side note you mentioned in your, your uh, analogy, your description of Michigan and Harbaugh uh, going uh, this morning for the first time this morning on the, the two pros and a Joe show, basically national level of of talking about college football jed uh what's his name at arizona jed fish jed fish being talked about for some nfl positions some nfl head he's got a lot of depth.
2: nfl ties
0: yeah and and Obviously he's hot right now, so that's. I just thought that was kind of interesting that uh, all of a sudden he's now on people's radar and what a job he has done. We're still going to get to this article. There's a few things I want to point out that uh, really made me go, "Ooh, okay, all right." That answers that question. That's very interesting. So that's coming up. Let's go to the phones, though. Dave, welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
4: Hey guys. Well, I was I was going to call in about a few different things, but this last topic really got me thinking. Can you imagine a, a an actual NFL sponsored farm system like like MLB does like mm-hmm. you know NBA does where where the NFL actually has to pony up money to develop those players on their own instead of just relying on these big universities to do it because that's that's really the only reason we have this problem in college football right now is because they don't have that farm system right mm-hmm. there's not that opportunity so I I look at the, the landscape we're at in college football right now. I think it it's, it doesn't change because you have the NIL and the transfer portal and you um, you right now. As long as that schools cannot overcome uh, jumping up from one level to the next unless they can get the money to come along with it anymore. So those schools at the bottom, you, you well, I wouldn't say the bottom, but like the New Mexico states or the Wyoming's because, because they don't have that funding and they, and they never will in the NIL, they're not going to be able to, to retain those players long enough to actually become better programs because those players are going to go to the next level, right? They're going to jump from the power five to the group of five. So I, I sit there and think anymore, why, why do you, if you're a group of five, why do you even want to associate with that? When, when all you're going to do is, is be a farm program for a bigger university somewhere else, right? Because you develop those players, um, and, and then they just jump like what we're seeing right now.
0: Well, um, it seems like that's happening with a lot of uh, Power 5 schools that are losing their players to the top 5% of the Power 5 schools.
4: Yeah, and, and there's, there's going to be those different steps, those different echelons, or even Oregon State being a Power 5. We're on the bottom half of that, right? Right. So, at, at what point, like, you're, you're not playing for a trophy. There's there's no case at all. Boise State was the closest team that we ever had that could have done it. There, there was an argument with Central Florida that they could have potentially, you know, mm-hmm. being undefeated. But then we see it this year with Liberty, and they're the, they're the best group of five school and undefeated. They got and they got absolutely run mm-hmm. yeah. by a number nine Oregon team, right? I mean, that's but that that's what's going to continue to happen and i think the gap's going to get worse when NIL really ramps up so i i still just wonder like why why are you why would you even agree to stay in that playoff if you're you know below that 45 50 60th ranked teams right because there's no trophy for you at the end there's just nothing um, so so it is better off to see those top echelon teams just jump off and, and, and honestly, I look at it and say the NFL, they are they are the ones; that, they're the real winners in the whole thing because they don't have to produce a farm system like MLB does, and NBA and and, and hockey—they um, yeah. they just don't. They—they they didn't like the XFL that's tried it, right? And and those players get poached anyway, and they get nothing for it. Those teams, those yeah. franchises, get nothing for developing those players. So for me, I—I I think that's where it's got to go in the future. And I think if you're one of the smaller schools, you don't want to associate with, with that and not have that opportunity yeah, to land.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Dave, we got to go because Mike's going to come up with us next. Thanks for calling in uh, here on this Friday. Um, Mike's gotten through security, so he's ready to go. But, again, that, you, you're, you're not wrong at all. It's just it's a lot of prediction, and everything is changing so much in the last six months. It's crazy. So this Joe Beaver show... In my twenty some years has been the most exciting as far as there's always something new and we gotta keep up with what's going on. But I don't like I don't let excitement isn't always a good thing.
2: The way Dave Dave laid it out, and, he, and I, I think the summary of 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 why I said, well, this is best, because in that state as he says, it would be the most stable. And there would be because there are clear tiers to this thing. And once those tiers are essentially like written in contracts and established. And there are levels and leagues built specifically around that like hard lines. We're not talking about group of five and power five where mm-hmm. a group of five team. If they do enough still is like Cincinnati and makes the playoff, but no, there is a hard line here of what is and what isn't what can and can't happen. And correct. Yeah,
0: I got it. I got it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, hear from doc Parker. Um, And get his thoughts on these things and others. This is the Joe Beaver Show for a Friday afternoon. With TJ, I'm John. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. All right, we didn't get hooked up with Doc Parker. Uh, He might have had his phone in his pocket. But uh, we'll keep trying and get him on the line. Now is about the time we were going to get going. So, the article. Daschle and Scott Barnes. There's a couple of things here that uh, stood out to me. With uh, some answers, basically. Uh, question, are you paying attention to the Florida State situation, and how could it change your situation? I'll just give you a, a, an overview of the, of the answer. He, sees that, he says, I believe that any of the chaos or any of the dynamics in college athletics that are happening now all could be potential opportunities for us. Now, basically what I read on that is things haven't stopped. and We knew they hadn't, but this is just proof that things hadn't stopped. In this article, he basically goes over the fact that, look, we needed to triage, and we have, and now we're kind of resting until, or we were resting until the end of December, Mm -hmm. and now it's January, and they ramp up and start on problem number two, Mm -hmm. which is, it was great. They got a week or two to relax a little because they got some things done. They got the agreement uh, all figured out, the money and everything, and so now we're doing it. And the West Coast Conference news that came out a week and a half, two weeks ago, so. The answer on that with the Florida thing and looking at that Florida State and the chaos and saying any chaos that we're watching, we're keeping an eye on everything, they could be something for us. In other words, saying we're not set, it's still a two-year deal, and we're looking at all options.
2: Scott Barnes understands that what Florida State is attempting to do to the ACC is what the Pac-12 just went through. Because that's what that scenario is. Because Florida State is the Premier or one of the two premier brands in the ACC, and he understand when he says opportunity, he says, well, th- uh, what I take that as is there's an opportunity to connect with other schools in the same boat as us, which there will be. I mean, what is Georgia Tech? What is Pitt? What is Wake Forest? What is, uh, name another small ACC school. Uh, Virginia is a little bit bigger. I'm not t- uh, Boston College. What what about Boston College? You know they would be in the same boat as you as well. So that is, I think that's where they're. I, I think that's what he means by by what he's looking at. So uh, I I understand that there there are plenty of schools. The ACC is not filled with premier brands. So there are plenty of schools that the standard media deal would not look at and be like, hmm, that's a valuable property we need to have. And I think Scott Barnes understands that and realizes that there are, there are multi, a multitude of opportunities out there for potential additions. All right, couple of Even if of it's things. on the other, other coast.
0: Before we bring in Mike, we just keep teasing this and we don't get to it. And I want to because Mike might have some thoughts on this as well as he listens in. Um, question. We have uh, a sense as to what the next two years look like. What about 26-27? which is what I've been calling year three. Barnes says, I think we have a pulse. You have to be thinking about what may transpire, like different media contracts and movement in the industry. You have to have your eye on that while you're taking care of the next two years. Prior to Christmas, we got everything we wanted done. Now we have a lot more to do, including in January, which is what I mentioned earlier, two priorities, media agreement, and bowl agreements for next year. By the way, at the end of this article, a point blank question: Will the Beavers, if they go six and six or win six games, go to a bowl game next year? The answer is yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that the that the league still has control and contracts on all the bowls
2: for two years. For
0: I two think. years. So yeah. d- does that mean? Does that mean literally that between the Cougars and the Beavers, they have their choice of all those bowls? And they can say, i uh, tell you what, you go to Holiday, uh, we'll go to uh, Alamo, and then those other bowls, you just tell them, hey, we, we have rights to these four positions, so, but we obviously are only two of us. So go ahead and fill them up with at-larges until three years from now. Mm, it's possible. And in that, other words, that, their that, choice.
2: That's uh, how that was framed. That makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, when you say media for next year, is that the home football games? Barnes said, not just football, but everything we have. So that's kind of interesting. Will you uh, have some finality about media for 24, 25 in January? He's not sure. What are the options for bowls in 24 and 25? We, and here's the answer. And, Mike, hold on, I'm going to grab you here in a second. We currently hold all the current PAC-12 contracts, and there are two years left on this contract. We're starting to have conversations on what priorities we will have and a pecking order and what those agreements could look like coupled with the expansion of the CFP and then the question, if Oregon State wins at least six games next season, will there be a bull? Yes, absolutely. As we bring in Mike Parker, and again, Mike, I've been trying to get to this question and answer article for two days now, and we're just now getting into it, so sorry to put you on hold for so long, but there's so many good answers and so many good questions in the Nick Daschle article with Scott Barnes that, uh, you know, it, it deserves to be, to be discussed. Anyway, how are you, Michael?
4: And and it's—I'm sure—it's a disappointment to listeners and certainly to you guys to bring me in when you were in the middle of dealing with those types of questions. Because while on hold, I was thoroughly enjoying your explication of the article. I have not seen it myself. I'm sitting here in the Spokane International Airport, awaiting the short flight over to Seattle and our practice and ball game tomorrow afternoon. Trying to get a split here. The Beavers haven't won. In heck, since the 2002-03 season. So I I will tell you, I'm not especially sanguine about the prospects. However, the Beavers and Huskies have played a lot of good games and close games over the years, and I expect another one of those tomorrow, and I'd love to see the Beavers come out of here with one as we open 24. So that said, I was enjoying what you guys were talking about and wondered, was it Tumwater when I got on, got through security, Mm -hmm. I car 50 Ford, and... Was that Tom Water and what was he talking about and what are you guys talking about? Because all of these matters, while I hope we beat the Huskies tomorrow all of these matters that you and TJ and Dave and others and Dashiell and Scott have taken up with no disrespect to our game tomorrow, right? those other matters have greater moment, to be sure. No, no doubt. So
0: what's going on? What were you guys well, talking about? This article came out a couple of days ago, and it was basically a Q&A wrap-up with uh, Scott Barnes and Nick Dashiell and Nick com, and we've only skimmed over mm-hmm. it, so we're not stealing, and, and go ahead. We encourage everybody to go to right. OregonLive.com and read the article. Nick does tremendous work. And there's enough on the question answer that made me go, okay, there's enough here certainly to break down on the Joe Beaver show because there's some direct questions asked that we've been wondering about. And I haven't even gotten to a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, for example, after going through a courtroom battle, what is the state of your relationship with other Pac-12 schools? It's a great question, but you know the answer is going to be something to the effect of you don't want to burn bridges, and that's what it was. Because of our business mm-hmm. of getting ourselves to the right spot, Barnes says, we just haven't had communication between members. He goes on to say that, yeah, we'll continue to work with them, and it was a tough pill to swallow when this whole thing went down, but we will continue to work with people. Um Here's another thing that is interesting to me because it involves Wayne Tinkle, sort of. Five to seven years from now, do you think, this is the question, do you think current Pac-12 schools come back to the West? Do you think this is going to work out? And Barnes' answer, he says, the first question you have to answer is, what is college athletics? We're going down a very slippery slope. We're moving away from our core mission as academic primacy, which is what TJ and I were just talking about before we even got into this, about the SEC perhaps in football or all of football eventually pulling away and becoming its own entity but I digress he goes on to say we've all have sorts of we we have all sorts of problems at the highest level what college athletics looks like is going to help drive conference realignment and what it looks like that aside already there's buyers remorse in my opinion in what's transpired in moving to the east coast for olympic sports it's not sustainable long term first of all i've always said it's not sustainable but buyers remorse from scott barnes and what we were understanding is that Wayne kind of said the same thing on a one-on-one interview on John Kenzano's show, because Tumwater was telling us that. And now Barnes backs that up. So um, I've been saying on this show, along with you, Mike, that I I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years from now, there's going to be some schools that say, um, we don't really like this. And they're kind of confirming that. At least they're confirming that the schools don't like it. They're not necessarily confirming that they're coming back, but it may be a possibility. I, th- I thought that was very interesting.
4: Yeah, you know, the, the Penguins and the Bruins last night in the NHL guys scored four goals in the first seven minutes and 21 seconds, and that was the quickest four goals of any game in the NHL this season. So that's my answer and kind of comment to what you just said. Now, the reason I bring that up yes. is there is a reason. There is a reason. To most NHL, I think I've ever watched in my life, and I'm like, oh, wow, they score a lot of goals. I mean, there was a goal 17 seconds into the game, and then a response quickly thereafter. And I was kind of watching it on behalf of one of our team managers, a, a GA video man, Dylan Regan from Boston. So we had been conversing earlier in the day. And you grew up in Boston, outside of the city? No, right in the heart of downtown Boston. So what are you? Are you first and foremost a Red Sox fan, a Bruins fan, a Celtics fan, a Patriots fan? He goes, it's Red Sox first. First and foremost, Boston's a Red Sox city, period. If you surveyed people in the hub and asked them, you can have one sport for the rest of your lives. You've got to give the others up. It would be baseball and Fenway and Teddy game and Yaz and Rico Petroselli and Jim Lomborg. And that was a great answer. So because of that, I chose to watch while working out on an elliptical machine in the hotel room in Pullman, the hockey game between Pittsburgh and Boston that was on ESPN with an old friend, Steve Levy, calling the game. So I watched it and saw these goals piling up. The only thing on my screen, because I have no idea how to to change screens on the screen in front of me on the elliptical, and all it had was Bloomberg News on it. And one of the things it said, guys, was while working out, watching all these goals being scored, Pittsburgh ended up winning 6-5 at TD Ameritrade. But all it it kept flashing across this Bloomberg News feed, and I couldn't change the channel, so I'm seeing more stock market news and more (laughs) business-type news than I've ever seen in my life. One of the stories said something about Ryan capital of Bruin, Ryan capital says NCAA pay for play for college football is becoming ever closer to a reality. And I tried to punch that little thing on the screen to see, I'd like to read more of this story mm-hmm. while I'm
1: going mm-hmm. through
4: this elliptical nonsense, but I couldn't get any more to it. So I'm asking you guys today in light of what you just said about what the college landscape's going to be like mm-hmm. in five or six years, whether that's a story or a thing, or whether you know more anything about that from, Bruin, Ryan, Capital, whatever the heck that is, reporting that we're moving closer and closer to pay for play which sounds to me as though this whole idea of football breaking off and being its own thing, because it only mentioned football. It didn't say college athletes. It yeah. said football. So have you guys seen anything more about that? Because that's, to me, relevant to what you asked about five or six years from now and buyer's remorse, et cetera. Right?
2: I, I have not seen anything about that, Mike. However, it does relate to the what we led off the hour with, where I was speculating because of what ha- has happened this season with Michigan, should these top programs decide to just split from the NCAA altogether, so it doesn't even need to be a pay-for-play by the NCAA. Right. It would just be like, well, screw the NCAA. We don't need them anymore. We can do our own thing because, hey, they're just they going to punish us for having our golden child come home and win us a national championship on Monday and he's going to leave for the NFL, and we'll never get back to the mountaintop again. How dare you? So we're we're leaving. Mm-hmm. We're taking our right. we're taking our product away from you, and you don't get to ever associate with us ever again. And that could very well follow, and it would instead be uh, instead of being NCAA pay for play, it would be whatever entity that is formed around those programs after that to pay for play. So.
4: Hmm. Okay. Well, that is interesting. And, and as to, John, your question and comment about, you know, virus remorse, I yeah. did try to press Wayne a little bit more on that to see if he would actually heard, in a sense, something, you know, tangible, like he talked to right. Jared Haas, the Stanford head coach, who said, quote, boy, we don't want to do this at all. We want to come. I mean, no, it's nothing that hardliner specific, but he said he knows for a fact that those two schools, the Bay Area schools in particular, know <laughs> that the model and everything you're talking about, they know just based on his own conversations. It kind of gets to what Scott Barnes intimated, that there is an element of buyer's remorse already and they haven't even gotten into that world yet, but they just kind of know yeah. what's coming.
0: And which, which which reveals what I guess is obvious, but it's still a bit surprising they would do it, and that is these these administrators making decisions for all their coaches without getting any of their coaches' input.
2: So, uh, one question I have with this, Mike, when you say buyer's remorse, I'm curious if it is buyer's remorse for everything but football, or is football included in that?
4: I think football is included in Hmm. in an odd way. And that's important. I don't know, though. Again, that would be important. But I don't know. You're right. It is. And I'm not that. When I say I think, I, I have to admit, I'm basing that more on the sense or a feel. It's nice to be here in the airport with the announcements. You know you're in an airport when you hear stuff like that. Uh, You know, the the other thing, too, back to, and I I can't really, there's nothing more I can contribute along those lines. I was hoping to hear something a little more specific from Wayne about, quote, conversations or rumblings, but that he mentioned to Canzano. But enough that he didn't, he said, oh, well, I was, he said, no, there's there's talk within the within basketball anyway. And that's what he was referring to. So he didn't mention football. So, Mike, we now, touched... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, with Bernie Olivas, the Sun Bowl, when you talked about the bowl games, this is interesting to me. The yeah. executive director of the Sun Bowl Olivas in El Paso News, uh, an article I read in an actual physical newspaper, and I enjoyed that, in El Paso. He said that With respect to the Pac-2 next year, he said, we owe the ACC a Power 5 opponent in our Sun Bowl, so we're going to have to explore other options.
0: Yeah, someone texted us that. It's
4: an interesting can of worms, isn't
0: it? Someone texted just a single line that said the Sun Bowl was was trying to get out of the contract with the Pac-12. But you're right, that that quote. And and that's the one quote. It's funny you say that. That's the one quote I think all Beaver Nation feared because it represents more than just the quote for what they're trying to do. Right.
4: Right. It represents the perception of who you are and what you are.
0: Yes, which we don't feel to be true, but it's what the outside feels is. And unfortunately, I believe it was what the outside is telling these kids, and they're jumping in the transfer portal. Well, I'll tell
4: you, yeah, on the outside, the lies, the lies. That, that go on there. I mean, it. the poor, I mean, all of these young men leaving, it, it's just painful. You know, I, I've got how much time are you, Were you started, John? Are you good on time? Or oh, yeah, no, we time?
0: got plenty of time.
4: Okay. I got a letter from a, you know, a Brian Van Vliet, a very nice letter. And here's what he wrote to me. Back in the day, he said, I belonged to the Theta Chi fraternity in our house. Scott Eaton, basketball, Al East and Jeff Hardgraff of football. Bruce Bertrand, basketball, three guys from the track team, the Beaver third baseman from the baseball team. Every one of these guys were from Oregon. Nobody was special. We were all friends and brothers. It was inconceivable somebody would transfer to another school. We all studied together, chased dates for house dances, ran out of money, loaned cars to each other, might have sneaked a few beers. We all shared the Oregon State experience together. Today the Jots no longer live in similar circumstances. The baseball guys share a house, so do folks in other sports. They take more classes online rather than the professor madman that we all hated together. <laughs> it's a new world being of another generation. I don't mean to say life was better then. It was just different. Tommy I mean, Prothrow left. Yes, but he can take half the team with him. I love the idea of getting to know all the athletes grow over four years. That is a that's a nostalgic sort of line from a great Beaver fan who's been a student and a fan of the Beavers through all these generations and his letter says, and I remain a fan and we'll, we'll be with the Beavers whatever happens through all of this and he was sort of thanking you, John, and, and our existence as the Joe Beaver show to kind of be in the middle of all of this, to, to kind of, you know, have a voice and help us through get it through a shared voice together on this show. And so thank you, Brian, for that kind letter. But he does look back to a time that ain't ever coming
0: back. No, but I tell you what, I, I love that. I think that is so well written. Yeah, I do too. And it, because it describes what we're losing, and, and yeah. it, it describes a different time. And it also talks about, you know, when you go through that, when you go through deep water together, things mean things. So like he, we were we were in this together, we were students together. And now, you know, and, and sports have been separated from, I mean, that hasn't been that way for a while, but it just adds to it. And the separation of everybody is making for really hard times on all levels. Instead of being together and going through the deep water together, everybody's going on their separate way. And then when you achieve things, there's no meaning to it. And we could wax poetic on that forever. Bottom line is things are changing and we're trying to we're trying to predict how they're going. That's why we're looking at these questions and answers with with the powers that be. And I, I don't I really don't like to hear that about the Sun Bowl because because can they do that? I mean, does that mean that yeah they can? They just right. have to pay a lot of money in Oregon State and Washington State will just get a couple of really big checks? That's a good question, John. And 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 I I have a feeling, you know, Bernie, well, I'm not saying
4: Bernie Olivas and, and the Sun Bowl people have been at their thing for 90 years, so they kind of know what they're doing, and they have a feel for what they owe their constituents and so on. But that might have been, I, I dare say, a tad bit of talking out of turn or out of school without, yeah. I mean, you know, while he says we have a contractual obligation to provide a power of five opponent, whatever that means these days, to the ACC, well, if he's also under contract, then what is the contract with the PAC two, which the judge and others have said the conference still exists? Right. It's a two-member conference. So what loyalty or do you have? The, well, they're not a power five. Well, what if they perform to a power five level? What if they're ranked 15th in the country? What if they're... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think anybody would balk at inviting a 10-2, and 11-1 Oregon State, or Washington State team to the Sun Bowl or the Holiday Bowl because they're not, quote-unquote, a power of five. I think it's going to depend on how they do and perform on the field that will, uh, in a sense, uh, establish their status not so much as an independent type status or a power two conference.
0: But a contract is a contract. So if they have a deal with the Pac twelve and we're we're now two teams in the Pac twelve, they still owe us. They still owe us. That's all there is to it. I would think so. Yes. So, and I want to know what what it is they got to do to get get out of that. And I hope that the other bowls don't follow because that would be horrible. Now, obviously, somebody something has to happen because we're only two teams, and they're like seven or eight bowl games that are contracted with the conference. Yes. So uh, that yes. whole thing is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, when do you happen? Let's see. I think it's something in January. Pretty big. A mm-hmm. lot of things. Yeah. So January is a big a big part for um, Scott Barnes in this article. He says basically. Uh, thinking about what I have dubbed year three, because years one and two are taken care of. But what about year three? And he has asked specifically about that. And they're just now starting to think about year three. Oh, and baseball independent for the next two years. And he says no problems getting uh, really good lineups with baseball teams from the Big 12, the the um, the Big 10, and, and a lot of former Pac-12 opponents. And, you know, with I think that if the – the availability on dates works out mike i think we're going to see arizona state arizona oregon a lot yeah. um yeah. you know osu or oklahoma state i mean we're going to see a lot of a lot of teams coming to corvallis I and the brewers going there as well i don't think that's going to be a problem and the way that the article sounded the way scott talked about it cuz there was a separate article about baseball going independent is that Baseball is a different animal. It is such a blue blood power. And, and Mitch Canham has continued with the tradition that Pat set mm-hmm. to, to you know making uh, regionals and super regionals. And it's just a matter of time. In fact, there, uh, it came out, Perfect Game has them number nine in the preseason poll. It's our first poll that mm-hmm. we've seen mm-hmm. um, that they can do their own thing. Wrestling and yep. gymnastics have kind of done their own thing as well mm-hmm. so they can mm-hmm. do that too and then everybody else in the West Coast conference and i like that he reiterated that that everything that we're looking at as far as Mountain West for football and West Coast conference for everything else is just 2 years and if as long as that yes. is always reminded it will make people feel a little right. bit better about moving forward
4: yeah and true cool. And yet, you have got to be a little bit careful. Just as Scott, you know, asked about, well, have you burned? You know, what's your relationship like with the the treacherous ten or whatever? Because there may be there may be a bridge built again someday between right. some of the other schools who right. will, will, for whatever reasons, want to come back and have an ongoing relationship. So, you know, you don't necessarily want to have destroyed the connections forever. And then, while you're in a provisional two year state, you're right. To remind your your fan base and so on that hey we're we're rebuilding this thing out but it's going to include it, probably the rebuild whatever it looks like some of the Mountain West partners you have now and I don't think you want to spend a lot of time saying hey we're playing these WCC people and these Mountain West people but not for long you know we're <laughs> we're using them it's not like a no bar, it's you a know, fine uh, line
0: uh, it's a fine line Michael yeah because because you don't want to insult them. Because we're kind of no. using them, but we don't want them to know we're using them. I think they get. I they get, understand. I think they get the positives of this, 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 the the two year relationship as well.
4: Is it? Bob Seger and Night Moves. He, he lies, I think, when he says, uh, she used, I used her, she used me, and neither one cared. We were getting our... I mean, that yeah. usually doesn't... You know, that never resonated as truth, but because that's sung by a man. But anyway, that's right. a whole different right. uh, aspect of life. We won't get to too much. I've never been a big fan of that line. I like him, still the same, their greatest song. But other than other, Bob's greatest song. But I, that line bothers me and always has. However, there is a sense of, you know... That we're going to have next week, I believe. Uh, Ernie Kent was kind enough to share with me Stu Jackson's cell. He's the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. And Stu, I, you know, Ernie said he talked to Stu. Is it okay if I give this joker your number? And said, "Give the Joker the numbers." So Ernie gave it to me, and, <laughs> and I'm hoping we can have a conversation about this relationship, which I think is mutually beneficial yeah. for the West Coast Conference and for Oregon State.
0: One quick question, and then we have to go to get a break yeah. in and wrap it up. One quick question: When yeah. did you know? When did coaches know that that uh, Dexter would not be able to go last night? About a half hour before kickoff. That's what that's what they you know, said on the, the Pac-12 a, Network. Yeah. Yeah. It was true,
4: and it was uh, disappointing uh, because that game, you know, the Beavers got off to a good start. Dexter had been playing his best hoop as a Beaver, was red hot, shooting well, playing well, rebounding, I mean, just being a leader, and they didn't have him in a game that was, uh, I think, winnable Mm -hmm. with him, you know, and I do know the Beavers had some other issues and problems, and Wayne Tinkle talked about all of those uh, with me on the post-game show, but... Dexter's absence was palpable, Doc, and, and I'm not sure about his status for tomorrow. After the USC game, is he has a foot that's just swollen up and kind of painful and sore, and so he's trying to get through that.
0: Is it an ankle or a foot, or did he drop
4: something? No, out, it's or? a foot. Yeah, it's a foot. I don't exactly know. I mean, I haven't seen the foot or talked to the trainer, Nick, about exactly what it is, and hmm. we're not always told exactly what things are, but I've seen him. He was having a little, you know, he was trying to warm up. He was in uniform trying to warm up before the game, and it just wasn't quite responding the way he wanted it. to. So. Wow.
0: All right, safe travels. Uh, have a good call tomorrow. We'll see you on okay, Monday. Guys. Okay, Thanks, talk Mike. to you guys soon. Thanks. All right, there you go. Mike Parker on the road with the Beavers, 3 o'clock tomorrow, 2.30 airtime. Ron Callen, 6.30 tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off, 1 uh, o'clock on Sunday, 12.30 uh, air? Yep. Got it. Let's break. We'll be right back and close it up. All right, TJ, let's uh, attack some of these uh, texts.
2: Let's start from the bottom. Uh, who, who do we got here? Uh, I don't see a name on these text messages, but this is back in the first hour when we were talking about Trent Bray. I feel bad for Trent. It just makes me more unhappy with Jonathan Smith. But Jonathan had way more of a mass exodus at Michigan State when he arrived, and I'm excited about the staff that Trent brought on. Hayward in particular, they can sell the place because they genuinely love this place. And that's really what they're going to have to go to. I mean, yeah. They have a Beaver head coach, they have a Beaver offensive coordinator, and they have a Beaver defensive coordinator. Those are the three big figures on that staff. And it is those guys that are like, hey, we decided to play here at Oregon State, and then we decided to come back and coach here, and we are going to sell the crap out of it. That's what we are, and that's what we're going to make every person who wants to come here love this place as much as – as we do and want to stay here. That's their best pitch because it's not going to be money, unfortunately, for how Oregon State stacks up with everyone else.
0: Apparently, but it, again, the facilities. We don't know if they're not being offered the same that they're going to. We
2: don't know, but I wish we I, did. I'm just going to say, I'm going to assume. Yeah. Let me assume. And if it blows up in my face, I'll take the heat for it. Fine. Sure. I have no problem sure. with that. But that's what they're going to have to do sell the Beaver experience. It's a common theme, and they're going to have to stick to it. Uh, Someone was commenting on Portland Storm when you guys were talking about arena football. Oh, the
0: Portland Storm was a WFL team, but after the first year or the second year, I can't remember, by the way, Jim Kick played for the Portland Storm. He was in the backfield with... uh, um, Okay, now, I've been drawing blanks, like, a lot lately. I need to go to the doctor. Anyway, the Portland Storm became the Portland Thunder... And when Ron was talking about that and all of the amazing things that he says he's ever done, and I believe him on all of them, of course, I thought, well, you, what, you were the voice of the Portland Thunder in 1975? But he was talking about the Arena Football League team from just a few years ago, so this person may have thought I was, was getting them confused. No, 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 I remember very well the Portland Storm that became the Portland Thunder and then the league folded.
2: Lebanon is reacting, asking for my reaction to the Mariners trade that happened right during Ron Callan. Which I, was I your reaction I, at the time? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't really know if I have anything to comment right now. I need to look a little bit more. I've been a little distracted on the air, but thank you, Michael. I well, uh, good news! I might about have Mitch Haniger. Yeah, Mitch. I'm happy Mitch Haniger's back. There's a lot of lot of details to that though that I need to uh, that I need to digest till I actually get all my thoughts out. Uh, Z in Salt Lake City. Uh, something that I think a lot of Beaver Nation is that the Damnation NIL Collective asked hardworking fans to open their wallets and donate their hard-earned money so that the Beavers can retain players. There was a million-dollar match, 44 for 44, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Beaver Nation rose to the occasion, donating. However, players continue to hit the portal: Aiden Tanner, DJ, Sione Lolohea, Salas Bolden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and Beaver Nation is now asking, rightly, rightfully so, why did we donate? To the Damnation Collective. Great question. It is great. Why are they leaving? Very nice. Very big question.
0: How much are they being offered? Why are they leaving? We got about five seconds. Great week. Big action tonight. Five o'clock. Guild Coliseum. Wrestling against Penn State.